The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. My name is Edwin. I'm the student pastor here at the chapel. Um, so today you're going to hear probably about 12 to 18 minutes of what God has got for you because that's normally a teenager's attention span. So, but something about these Bibles. Now, first of all, I noticed that Ryan left one up here for me. Whether he did that on purpose or not, I don't know. But as a chapel, we use the English Standard Version. I grew up on King James. That, that was sort of me growing up in, in my home and in, in our church. And I graduated from a Christian high school. So he just wanted to make sure that I used God's Word this morning, not something that was 12th grade reading level. So also for just a quick student ministry update, um, if you have a, a student that's part of that ministry, you're hopefully in the next couple of weeks going to see them cramming for a test. And no, I'm not talking about the end of the school year. They have an opportunity to earn a Bible of their own by some scripture memory verses. They also have an opportunity to earn a crisp $50 bill. So um, I don't know exactly what's going to motivate them more, but, but the Bibles are there for them too. So... This morning, as, as, as we get ready, as I begin to prepare this week, I knew I wanted to talk about going fishing. I don't know about you, but for me, that's a time of relaxation. For some, it's a time of stress. Um, for some, me fishing with others is a time of stress. Um, but in that, and what the Scripture has to say, we see God's attention to detail in our lives. You know, this week as I was preparing and, and thinking and saying, okay, God, what, what exactly is it that, that you've got for us this morning? What, what do you want to say? God continued to work on this in me and in my life. And I pray that this morning when you leave, you'll see this too, is that God cares about the details. That there's a lot of times in our life that when Jesus shows up, he shows up for a detail. Not for uh, a big picture, miraculous event, but to impact our lives in the details. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be, we're going to be jumping through the Gospels this morning. Uh, but we're going to start in Luke chapter 5. So let me grab God's word. You'll have it on the screen behind me. So why in the world, and in, in all four Gospels, it talks about the first disciples being fishermen. I think that that's got to be a sign that fishing is good. You know, I remember go, growing up with my dad, and, and we would go out fishing. The man had to have incredible patience. Um, you're going to hear various stories throughout the morning about fishing, but one that just causes me to chuckle, if you know anything about fishing and the different equipment that you use, I can remember being about 10 or 11 years old and getting my first bait casting reel. Now, for those of you who know anything about fishing, bait casting is not an easy thing to learn to do, at least as a 10 or 11-year-old. And I can remember we went out fishing the first morning, we would, we would get up, um, 
this is uh, down in South Hillsborough County, a place called Cockroach Bay. The, the depth of, of that is probably six foot at high tide in some of the, the, high, the biggest places, so it's not real deep. It's, it's pretty shallow. But I can remember getting up that morning. It's a little cool. It's an October morning, and I take the rod and reel for the first time. This is brand new. My dad was so proud that he had got it for me. It's brand new, and I took it, and I went to throw it. The problem was I forgot to press the release button. So rod, reel, lure, everything went right out of my hand, right into the water. I believe my dad was laughing on the inside, but his outward expression did not show it. I can just remember him going into the water, out of the boat, to walk around to find the rod and reel. And then, of course, it was, I didn't cast with that the rest of the day, and when we got home, I had to clean it up. And then he made me practice out in the yard for like a week before we would go back fishing again. It's just, fishing with me may not be relaxing. But Jesus is walking here by the sea. The crowds are following. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 5. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and we've taken nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Boy, I wish I'd have caught that many. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the great day that you've given us. And God, as we come into your awesome presence, God, I pray that your word will speak to our hearts. God, that we will see and hear from you the simple things and the detailed things that you have for us. And God, I pray this morning that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you. And that God, that I would leave different this morning than when I came in. That these, your people, would hear your word and leave differently than when they came in the room. For we ask all this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Preparing this week and reading some books, reading different things about fishing and Bible, it's a, it's a well-talked-about topic because Jesus' disciples 
the, the original core disciples were fishermen. If you look in the book of Mark, Mark talks about Jesus again calling the disciples and saying, look, you're going to be fishers of men. Mark 1.17 says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's important for us to realize that in our lives, that's what God is calling us to be, is that fisher of men. But how does that work for someone who's never been fishing? What are the details? What does it look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus when he says that we're going to be a fisher of men and we've never been fishing? It's like, all right, God, I don't understand what you're talking about. I want to be your disciple. I want to be the one that follows you, and I want to be doing what you've asked me to do, but you're asking me to do things that I don't know how. You know, one of the things, and when, when you go fishing now here in the bay and you're offshore fishing, you usually go out a little bit earlier and you catch your own bait. Usually there's a bait net that you cast out to, to be able to pull in your own bait because you have to go buy it. And if you catch fish the way I do, you feed them more than you actually catch them. It can get expensive. And I can remember seeing the net for the first time and not understanding that there are different sized nets. There's different equipment to use to catch different types of fish. This morning, know that in the details of your life, God has equipped you for right where you need to be. Part of the details that we look at, why are we fishing? Why is Jesus saying to the disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of men? What's the why behind it? Why do we go fishing now? We go fishing to catch fish. I don't know about you, but going out and catching fish fresh, coming in, cleaning it, throwing it on a grill right away is some of the best eats that you can have. But why are we catching fish? Why, why are we going out? Why is it that your coworkers, or maybe a particular coworker, when they're going through a difficult time in life, will spend time with you? Why is it that your neighbors, it's funny, the, the, the neighbors in, in our neighborhood call us the church people. Because when, when we first moved in, we would have the student ministry at my house. So we'd have cars lined up everywhere, and then have teenagers in the front yard. I still got pictures of teenagers playing a clothespin game in the front yard and wondering if the cops were going to call on us because we were having a wild party or something. But your neighbors, what do they know about your relationship with Jesus? Are they ones that will come and seek you out in a time of need? You know, the thing about going fishing is you learn where the fish are. Your work, your neighbors, your family. You learn where the fish are. The passage that we looked at in Luke, Peter said, Look, Jesus, we fished all night and not caught anything, but because you say it, we'll throw the net on the other side and see what we get. And it was a huge 
catch. A huge catch, enough that it filled up two boats, that it almost began to break the net. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the nets began to tear apart. We know, and God will bring that catch to us. And then when is the right time? They had fished all night and not caught anything. In a moment, we're going to see how that detail plays in to God's plan in our lives. How we can see what God does. You know, you read and read and learn. But until you actually do, until you actually practice, and until you actually get good at fishing, then it becomes more enjoyable. You know, there are times that that we're scared to talk to folks about Jesus. Because there are things in our lives that we know that we're not perfect. Think about the disciples. They, the, the first disciples that Jesus called were fishermen. I don't know about you, but when I've been out fishing all day, catching fish, coming home, cleaning fish, I'm sure you want to come right in and sit down on the, the recliner and watch TV. And everybody in the house is glad that you're there. Or, that's never been the case for me, it's usually, you stink, go get a shower. These were fishermen. They were used to being around fish. That's what they did for a living. And they weren't perfect. They didn't even know what Jesus meant by catching men. In our lives, we're not perfect. There are things in our spiritual life that we think to ourselves, man, I really stink. I'm not good. God can't use me in this. Why is this person approaching me? Why, why do I feel an urge to talk to them about the faith when there's so many things going wrong in my life that I can't figure out? And God says, I'm going to make you the fisher of men. The Bible tells the same story in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 22. It talks about Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee and seeing Simon and his brother Andrew fishing and calling them and saying, look, come follow me. He walks a little further. He sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he says, come, follow me. And they leave everything to come follow Jesus. They didn't know what it was like. Jesus said, look, I'm going to give you the right equipment. You know, it's amazing how learning and growing up, I always wanted to use the exact same lure no matter what we were fishing for. I can remember the first time that, um, that we went freshwater fishing, bass fishing, which I love. To me, that, that's something that I will get up at 3 o'clock in the morning for. And I can remember taking my rod and reel. Yet, no, it wasn't the bait caster. It was a spinning reel. And getting ready to fish, and my dad saying, wait, 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 we, got, we have to change the lure. I was getting ready to throw a saltwater jig out for freshwater bass. I didn't know any better. 
that right equipment for the teenagers we've been cycling through a series of bible studies that continuously repeats about 10 or 11 weeks giving them the tools and equipment that they need to understand what it's like to be a christian they need to understand who god is they need to understand the gospel that we are all saved by grace that we are all so incredibly bad that only Jesus can perform that redemption miracle in our lives. We talk about prayer and how to pray and ask for the details in our lives. We talk about Bible reading and Scripture and how to take the Bible themselves. matter of fact, we did it this past week. We took and we broke them up into groups. Okay, here are different passages of Scripture. Read this. Talk about it as your group and see what God is telling you in this. To allow them to practice. To take the equipment that they've been provided. To take the equipment of faith, of prayer, of God's Word, and use it in their lives. Something I learned very early on is you don't catch something every cast that you make. Every time you throw the net, you don't catch something. My dad would always say that's why they call it fishing and not catching, because you're always going to cast more than you're going to catch. Is that an obstacle that holds up in your life? Maybe there are times that you think, I, I've tried this. And I haven't been successful. The people walk away more confused when I talk about Jesus than they did when they first got there. And you're not going to catch something on every cast. And I will tell you that sometimes it takes that patience and that perseverance to make your first catch. But I can also tell you that your first catch, especially when it comes to leading someone to Christ, if you've never had an opportunity to sit down with someone, take the Bible and show them what Jesus has done for them and introduce them to the Jesus that you know, to the Jesus that loves you and them, that first experience is incredible. It will always bring you back for more. Just like fishing. No matter how big your first fish is that you caught, it always brings you back for more. Now, most of the fish stories in our house growing up started like this and ended up like this. It would be amazing how I would ask my dad and my uncles, hey, if you guys caught fish this big, why am I eating a piece that's this big? But it always makes it addictive. You always want to come back for more. Now, in Florida... There's a fish that a lot of people just may not be familiar with. But I grew up catching mullet on a hook. Now, my dad and uncles would take a cast net and they would get big groups of mullet. Smoke mullet is just incredible. By the way, in case you haven't noticed, I did not get this size from looking at food, so you will hear me talking about how good it is throughout. So we learned to catch mullet on a hook. And it's so unusual. We would have some of my aunts and uncles come down from 
uh, from Central Alabama, and they would just be amazed that you took a little piece of white, white plastic worm, put it on a small gold hook, and you could catch enough fish to feed the family for a month in one afternoon. But there was a key to that. I know most of the kids in here are probably grown a little bit, but Quaker oats, oatmeal, you know, regular oatmeal, stir it up with a little sugar, brown sugar in it, and it's edible, and it's good, and it's good for you. My dad used to say to stick to your ribs. I don't exactly know what that means, but somehow everything sticks. But you took oatmeal and water and just mixed it up and threw it where you wanted to fish. And the fish would come, and they would start eating the oatmeal off the bottom, sucking it up and eating it, sucking it up and eating it, sort of like I do tater tots. But all of a sudden, they would get a piece of that plastic worm, and there you would catch a fish. I can remember right across when, when uh, I was in high school, we lived in Apollo Beach, and right across the road from our house was a canal, and there was like three lots where they hadn't built houses, and we could go over and fish and catch them. I remember getting off of school one afternoon, about 3.30, 4 o'clock, and going over and taking a five-gallon bucket of oatmeal and starting to fish. And I would throw it in the same spot, cast, and catch fish. My dad got off work, got there around 5.30, came over and went fishing with me and searched to throw out air and didn't catch anything. And I was loving that because he wasn't catching and I was. And then he realized that I was never throwing the oatmeal to where he was fishing. I was only throwing it where I was fishing. And he took the bucket away from me. I still caught more than he did that day. Of course, I had a two-hour head start. But sometimes you have to feed. You have to invest in the lives of others. Sometimes you have to cast and cast and throw the net and throw the net before you catch anything. But what about... When you do catch. What about when you hook one? And I can remember the first tarpon that I ever caught. I've never been so tired in my life of reeling in a fish. I was used to fishing ones that it didn't take you more than three minutes to wind in. And this thing took me half an hour. And you catch it and you hook it and you know you got it. And the line breaks. Or he gets off the hook. That's when you want to throw the rod and reel in the water. That's when you want to give up and say, you know what, it's just not worth it. If I can hook it and fight it for 20 minutes and then it gets away, it's just not worth it. In our lives, there's going to be those that get away. In student ministry, I've worked with students now for over 20 years, 25 years. And... There are students that I've had in my ministry that have grown up that have absolutely loved Jesus and been dedicated and followed Christ, went into college, spent their freshman year really leading Bible studies. And by the time they graduate college, they have forgotten themselves and lost their mind. Not until they get married and have kids do you see them start coming back into church. But all of a sudden, you just wonder, what in the world happened? What happened? 
And then, of course, you have those students that you never think listen, who absolutely goof off. You, you have to send out of the room every other week, who are constantly on their phones texting. And ten years later, you see them. They're serving in a local church. They're married and have kids that they've raised in Sunday school. And you're going like, where did you come from? But it's amazing what God will do if we just fish. One thing about Jesus, he's not into catch and release. When Jesus grabs a hold of us and secures us, he wants to continuously remind us that he loves us and that he will restore us. This brings me to the very last part that I want to talk to us about, about the details that God mentions when he's fishing. Take your Bibles on your phone, whatever it may be. If you haven't looked at any other scripture this morning, open up to this one. It's in John chapter 21. The Gospel of John chapter 21. I like hearing those pages turn. So this is after Jesus has been crucified, rose from the dead. Some of the disciples are sitting around. And it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. By the way, you will hear in Scripture, you will see the Lake of Gennesaret, Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, all the same body of water. All the same body of water. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, so James and John, and two other disciples were together. Simon said to them, I'm going fishing. Isn't that just like a fisherman sits around, gets bored, and decides he's got to go fishing? My mom would hate that. She'd have supper ready as soon as my dad would come in from work. She'd have supper ready expecting us to sit down as a family and have supper. He would come in, walk in. I remember he would change his shoes walk back out, and my mom would say, where's your, where's your dad? Oh, he loaded up the boat and went fishing. Just because it was a great afternoon and he wanted to go fishing. So that's what Peter does. Peter says, you know what? I'm going fishing. This is, this is what I want to do. They said to him, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, and that they went fishing all night long and caught nothing. That takes incredible frustration all night and caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. He said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now this is twice that they've caught something so large that they had trouble pulling it in that disciple whom jesus loved therefore said to peter it is the lord and when simon peter heard that it was the lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off when they got out on the land they saw the charcoal fire in place and the fish laid on it, and bread. 
And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. But Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said a third time, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How many times had Peter denied Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus repeat do you love me to peter three times this was the third time that jesus had appeared to the disciples jesus wanted to get involved in the detail of peter's life to a point where he wanted to push him push him to realize that he was forgiven one of the things with the teenagers they talk worse to themselves than they would ever let anyone else talk to them. I don't know if you remember when you were a teenager, but there are things that you would say about yourself or that you would feel about yourself that you would never want anyone to know and never let anyone else say to you. Can you imagine Peter even seeing Jesus before, how he felt? He jumped out of the boat and got to the shore where Jesus was before the disciples showed up. I would love, and when I'm in heaven, I may ask Peter to talk about what that conversation was like. For just him and Jesus to be alone on the beach while Jesus was building the fire, cooking breakfast, and that conversation of what that was like. Was it casual, sort of, I don't exactly know what to say because I'm embarrassed, Jesus, about being here alone with you, so I'm just going to make light conversation about how hot it was overnight fishing? Whatever it may have been. Or was it Peter truly repenting before Jesus saying, I'm so sorry. And Jesus said, look, I've already forgiven you. And Peter's still saying, I'm sorry, because we in our lives have a tendency to hold on to things that God has buried and put away and removed and doesn't even remember. In the details of that moment, Peter's back to fishing. He's back to what he knows. He's back to what he understands. And Jesus meets him in that place in the details of his life and says, look, I'm restoring you. Rest in that peace. Know that. In our lives, we're going to fail. In our lives, we're going to make choices that do not lead to the outcomes that we think they should. We're going to make bad choices. We're going to do things that take us off the path of where God wants us. That's what happens is we decide that we want to be God in our lives and we know better than what God does 
and we choose to do what we want versus what God wants. And Jesus comes in and says, you know what? Sit down, have a meal, rest by the fire, and know that I love you, and I want to restore you. If you go on and you read right after this chapter, it rolls right into the book of Acts, and Peter stands up to preach. And thousands come to believe in Jesus for the first time. And this is a smelly fisherman. How often do we have the opportunity to go fishing? How many times do we look out on our lives on a daily basis and recognize where the fish are? That God has put us right in the middle. That God has equipped us with the right equipment. That God has provided us an opportunity in our lives to bring people to Him. That through the Holy Spirit working through us and the lives of others, that that catch, that we can have a catch. I can imagine Peter sort of shaking his head by the third time, and the Bible says it was he was grieved. He was frustrated. He was he just felt, Jesus, aren't you listening to me? Aren't you hearing me? And Jesus continues to press. This morning, is Jesus pressing in on your life? Or there's something that's about, about what Jesus is doing in the details of your life? Or what's going on in your world? Or the things that are happening are the things that you expect to happen during your day, this afternoon. That Jesus is pressing in saying, I want in on the details. You know, no matter how long it takes no matter what words what circumstances what influence it takes Jesus will never stop pressing in on the details in our lives this morning I hope that you'll understand that going fishing takes a lot of detail You've got to tie the hook on just right. You've got to have the right bait. You've got to know where the fish are. You've got to forget the ones that got away and keep fishing and keep persevering. And you've got to realize that even if you come back to shore with an empty boat, Jesus is there saying, hey, try this. Maybe you'll get more than you ever thought. Of. Let's pray together. Father God, you are just awesome. Father, this morning I pray that, well, God, I'm glad you didn't throw me back. That you didn't look and say, you know what, we're just going to toss it aside. That for every one of us, that you have a purpose in our lives and that you love us to a point, Father God, where you will just infuse in our lives an attention to detail. That, God, the things that we do every day, 
get up in the morning, the way we talk to our spouse, to our children. Father, the way we react to other drivers on the road as we're going to work. The way we talk to red lights. Father God, and for some of us, the way we talk to law enforcement officers after red lights. God, whatever the detail in our life is, God, I pray that you'd reach out today. Father, that you would continue to work on us. Father, that you would build us into great fishermen. That we would be fishers of men. For we ask all this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus.